the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks podcast, the DFS edition. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Len Hochberg from Rotowire, and as always, we are back to give you our favorite DFS plays for this week's Valero Texas Open. And I know this one's sort of sandwiched in between a couple of big ones. We had the match play last week and all the game theory that we talked about. We've got, oh, a little tournament called the Masters next week. You might have heard of it. We'll get into that a whole lot in upcoming episodes. But this week, the Valero Texas Open, one golden ticket left for the chocolate factory. If somebody can win this week's event who's not otherwise qualified already for Augusta National, they will get in and they'll get that nice little Sunday night flight to Augusta from San Antonio. Len, how are you? What's going on? Ready for this week? It's a little hard to get up for this week, like you say, being in the middle of the sandwich, but there are, what, 144 in the field. And I read that there are 23 guys going to Augusta in the field. So more than 120 guys have a chance, and we've seen a lot of long shots, not last year, but I imagine there's going to be sort of a sentimental uh, rooting for uh, Richard Bland to somehow get his way, got a sponsor invite. So that was a big first step, and we'll see what happens. But I think there's a good chance that we get another entry into the Masters after this week. It's really cool. This event has only been before the Masters twice before Jordan Spieth, of course, won last year. There was no event in 2020 and 2019. You remember that was the ultimate golden ticket. Corey Connors won in a Monday qualifier and six days later was going to Augusta National. I'm not sure we'll get a story that good, but I love the romantic notion of trying to lock up a victory and lock up an Augusta National invitation all at once. So let's get into it and start looking at the top of the board. Of course, Rory McIlroy is the betting favorite this week. He's right there atop the list. On DraftKings as well, 11,200, followed by Hideki Matsuyama, 10,800. Jordan Spieth at 10-6. He's the defending champion, as I mentioned. Abraham Answer in his hometown event, 10-3. Bryson DeChambeau at 10-2. And that's all the guys that are over 10,000 this week, just five of them. Which of these guys do you like and which do you not like? It's a little tricky. I don't know how much Rory is into winning this week. Hideki Matsuyama, we're still not sure where he is. We'll get a better handle on him with his neck injury. I'm going to start with Jordan Spieth, and I'm not even going to go try and tell you that Jordan Spieth is like this huge, huge pick for me. He hasn't been playing that well. He's got one top 20, all 2022. Granted, it was a runner-up at the Farmers, but I'll start with him. He has one. He's finished second here. Corey Connors, I like also. Abraham Ansari has not been great at this tournament, but he does have some connection. He's from Texas. And, you know, he's always played well in Mexico when the pressure was on him. I thought that was impressive. I thought that would be hard. So it's not going to be quite the same, but I think he could do well here this week. And DeChambeau still probably rounding into form for next week. Yeah, I'm not even sure he's rounding into form yet. I think that this is a very much a rehab start still for Bryson DeChambeau, who's quite frankly, this course didn't set up well for him when he was a hundred percent, when he's something less than a hundred percent. I just don't see any reason to invest in Bryson this week at all, unless you want to be completely contrarian in your DFS lineups. I'm never good at trying to guess ownership percentages, but after last week with Bryson 
just smashing the ball all over the place, taking drops all over Austin Country Club. I can't imagine he is going to be highly owned. So if you want to go after the contrarian play, look, I respect that play, but I will not be chasing Bryson. Same sort of deal on a smaller scale for Hideki, who's been going through some back problems. Uh, I won't be chasing him either. Don't love Rory this week. I know he's played this event once before. He finished runner-up back in 2013. That means absolutely nothing. I won't be surprised if Rory shows up this week and goes, oh, this is the place? I didn't even remember this. Oh, I was here before. Okay, cool. He lost to Martin Laird that week, which I had to look up, and you could have given me 100 guesses on who beat him. I, I wasn't getting that. Jordan Spieth is where I'll start some of my lineups. I like it. I don't love it. Like you said, Len, he's played good but he is a horse horse type of guy and he tends to play well at the same places year after year he does need to show himself if not the rest of us a little something before he gets to augusta next week and you know he's looking forward to that and then abraham answer like you mentioned home game i really like him this week he's a guy that's starting to round into form i thought he hit the ball really well uh getting into what was it, the quarterfinals i believe last week before he was ousted by Corey Connors. And speaking of Corey Connors, that's where, and you mentioned him earlier, that's where we start our guys in the 9,000s. Connors, who won this event three years ago back in 19, Siwoo Kim, Maverick McNeely, Chris Kirk, Gary Woodland, Keegan Bradley, Tony Finau, and Jason Day rounds out the 9,000s. I'm not sure the last time we saw Jason Day in the 9,000s on DraftKings. So anyone here that's uh, catching your eye? Yeah, I did jump the gun on Corey Connors at 98. Uh, Chris Kirk and Gary Woodland, both guys playing well. Woodland especially seems to really be rounding into form. I think they were going to be really chalky. Again, I'm not like you. I'm not good at predicting ownership. But the early scuttlebutt from Golf Twitter is that Kirk is going to be a popular play. Gary Woodland at 93. I do like both of them more than some of the others. Keegan Bradley, eh, this can turn into a putting contest, especially the last few years as the scores have jumped from the lower teens into the upper teens. Jason Day would be quite a story if he could win to get into Augusta. It's amazing he's not going to be in Augusta. Number one, just a few years ago, what, four or five years ago. But really, Chris Kirk and Gary Woodland stand out most for me there. And if you do sort of play them, then you can really get into a nice balanced lineup and avoid the lower 6,000s. Yeah, Kirk is the guy that I really like a lot this week. I thought I might be a little different Len, I was doing my preview on Sunday afternoon, as I usually do. I, I was researching, I was writing while they were finishing up the match play event. I said, you know, odds aren't even out. We don't have, of course, pricing for DFS yet, but Chris Kirk has finished top 15 three of his last four starts. He's been top 15 four of his last six at this event. And so I said, look, great intersection of form and history. And yet, you're right, the odds came out. And boy, some of the odds on Kirk, and they're bouncing around from shop to shop. But on DraftKings, 25 to 1 for Kirk this week? Ah, come on, you're killing me, guys. I right. love him. I want to play him. I'm not sure I can even play him at that number for as much as I like him. From this other group, though, I will have a big Kirk investment in DFS from the group. I would like a, a little uh, share of Maverick McNeely this week, and certainly Keegan Bradley, who anytime they go to a course where driving seems like it's a major metric where it's a big factor. Just drive it long and straight. Keegan Bradley has been doing that for a long time right now. I think he's a good player. All right, let's dip down to the 8,000s. I'll quickly read off some of these names. Hadwin, Strillman, Vegas, List, Riley, Knox, Hoffman, Pereira, Kazire, Palmer. I mean, this thing's been the Charlie Hoffman invitational for a while. Are you buying in on Charlie again? 
Yeah, I was going to start with him just because it is going to be fascinating. He was even second last year, and but he's just been playing pretty poorly lately. So this is really where course history meets current form. And if you sort of look to both, as I do, and I think you do, it's going to be a tough call. I actually am going to stay away from Charlie Hoffman this week. I think Davis Riley is going to be sort of interesting too. He's going to be a barometer. All of a sudden, people two weeks ago maybe hadn't heard of Davis Riley Mm -hmm. are now going to be jumping on him hot and heavy. I like Adam Hadwin. He's played very well recently. I think he's like 25th or 26th on tour in ball striking so far this year. Do like Kim Russell Knox, really great tee to green game so far this year. He's moving up in the world ranking, still has putting issues. I like him. And Patton Kazire, all the way down at 8,000. Uh, he played this tournament just once uh, in the last number of years, and maybe once ever. And he was ninth here last year. He's really making a run at the top 100. He hasn't been back in the top 100 in about six years. He was in the 300s, mm. but he's really starting to put together a number of good finishes and a good week this week could get him back inside the top 100. I quite frankly, just don't like a whole lot of the guys at the 8,000s, though. I'll give you two names. Uh, one you mentioned, one you didn't. But Jonathan Vegas at 8,600, coming off a fourth-place finish at the Corrales Punta Cana last week. If you look back, when he was hot last summer, he's a momentum-type player. And when Vegas gets hot, he tends to stay hot. We all like being hot in Vegas. And so yeah. uh, Vegas is a guy that I tend to fade a little bit if he's missed a few cuts in a row or not playing well. If he's made a few cuts and he's playing well, he's getting some good results, I tend to jump on him because, like I said, he's a guy that gets hot for a while then gets cold for a while. And then at 8,400, you mentioned Davis Riley. Not only does he have the narrative of got into a playoff against Sam Burns, the Valspar in his last start, but he won the Corn Ferry event here in San Antonio two years ago. And so I think a lot of people are going to look at that and say, good course fit for Davis Riley. Quite frankly, with that swing of his, there aren't a whole lot of bad course fits when you're mm-hmm. Davis Riley. All right, going down to the 7,000s, I'll quickly go through some of these guys that I like, and there are a whole bunch of guys, especially at the top half of this number that I really like. Robert McIntyre, the wind blows in San Antonio. He's a guy that knows how to play in the wind. I feel like this could be a nice week to jump on him, especially in your one and done pools. Don't be afraid to play McIntyre at a place where you probably don't have a whole lot of guys jumping out at you, and there's probably not Another place where you look at McIntyre and say, I've got to use him there. So I like McIntyre a lot. Sahith Thigala is going to pop. Look, we've seen what Scotty Scheffler has done recently. I'm not suggesting that Thigala is going to be the next Scotty Scheffler and get to number one in the next couple of years, but it's going to be a very similar progression. Jump on him before it's too late. Keep buying him up when he's 7,800 in these smaller events, because in a year, you will never have the chance to do it again. Matt Kuchar. I don't mind, has a really good record here. Five top 20s over the past decade. Brendan Steele's got a really nice record at this one. He's a course horse type of guy. When he likes one, he keeps going after it. Let's see, going down the list, I'll I'll throw a Doug Gim at you. I don't mind that. I don't mind Dylan Fratelli, another guy who plays a lot of golf in Texas. Matthew Neesmith coming off a third place finish in his last start. Kramer Hickok who's played well recently. And I'll throw Taylor Moore in there, just sort of a little wild card, hunchy play. I'm not sure I love it, but I just had a feeling. I kind of earmarked him for this event early in the year, and I thought this could be a good one for Moore. So it's not really showing much for him, but I can see it. When I started looking over the board, I found a lot of guys in the 7,000s like you, and especially the upper 7,000s. And 
And I usually try and pick about four or five for my RotoWire article. And I had too many, and I really had to start to whittle it down. I could see Robert McIntyre for sure. Matt Kuchar, he's another guy who's not going to go to the Masters. Ricky Fowler at 77, really good numbers everywhere but putting. I don't know. It's so hard to pick Ricky. Ian Poulter, another guy not going to the Masters. I think he's going to give it his all this week. Brendan Steele, I know is your guy but really starting to play a lot better after a slow start to the year. Doug Gim, you mentioned him. Martin Laird, uh, not because he was the former champion. He's just really terrific tee to green player this year. A little bit higher price than I would have liked at 7,500. Would have been nicer at 72. And another guy who goes from point A to point B as efficiently as anyone, Lucas Glover at 7,400. I could almost see going five guys from this area and maybe go one high price guy to fill out your lineup. Easily, I could see myself doing that. Yeah, I kind of like that play myself. And adding to that is I don't love a whole lot of guys in the 6,000s. Look, some of these guys are going to be up there, if not on the leaderboard, at least just off of the first page of the leaderboard, just based on the numbers. But uh, quite frankly, I don't see a whole lot of names jumping out at me. And so, yeah, it'll be maybe a guy from the nines, maybe a guy from the eights and four guys from the sevens as far as lineup construction for me for most of my lineups this week. But I will throw out a... Brandon Grace, whose numbers just aren't good, but I can't get over the fact that he was a world-class player not that long ago. He was as high as 10th in the world. He's the only player to ever shoot a 62 in a major championship round. And so he's a really good world-class player. He's going to get back there at some point. I know he's been working really hard on his game. So I do like Brandon Grace, and I want to get on him before I miss him. And the other name that I really like is a guy who finished fourth in that Corn Ferry event that I mentioned a little while ago that Davis Riley won here a couple of years ago. And that's Austin Smotherman missed the cut last week at the Corrales Punta Cana, but he's a guy that he's got some games, got a little flair. I like this kid. I think he's going to be a good player for a while. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned Smotherman because I had him on my list too. The first thing that caught my eye at $6,800. But when I looked at the DraftKings Sportsbook. He's only 130 to one. And there are other guys right around there who are 200 to one. That catches my eye makes, okay, what's the deal? Well, he's a Texas guy or he went to SMU anyway. Mm -hmm. Not exactly in the backyard of Dallas, but he also had some glimmers earlier this year. 11th at the Farmers, 25th at the Valspar. He's 29th on tour in ball striking. And, you know, when you see a guy who's not that... Great, a player, 29th in ball striking. Yeah, that means the short game is going to be problematic and stuff. But I do like him. I've been kind of high on Aaron Rye at $6,800 for much of the year. Missed his last two cuts. That might move a couple of people off of him or maybe a bunch of people off of him. But pretty accurate driver of the golf ball. Down at 6700 Hayden Buckley, after the new year, he sort of, after a great fall, sort of fell off by the wayside. He's 12th on tour in ball striking. And way down at $6,500, I might throw a, a couple on Lee Hodges. He's had a couple of good results this year. Nothing much since the Honda, but decent numbers. 68th in ball striking. I'm looking at a lot this week. All these guys, pretty good ball strikers, pretty poor putters. But otherwise, they'd be good. And they'd be more than the 6,000s. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If you're a really good ball striker, a really good driver of the ball, really good putter, really good around the greens, you're probably not costing 6300 on DraftKings this week. And so, all right, let's get right to it. Who are you going with first off the bat? I'm going to go right in the middle at Martin Laird. Like I said, a little bit higher than I liked, but he did win this tournament a number of years ago, but he's continued to play pretty well. He's had a couple of top 20s since the win in 2013. 
30th last year, but really a very good ball striker still as he approaches 40 years old. I think he'll certainly get to the weekend. He's only 100 to 1 on the sports book. I think there's a little love for him there as well. You love Martin Laird. That's I know. not the first time you've picked Martin Laird on you a know. I pick guys that I can't pronounce Bez, but so I'm picking one-syllable guys <laughs> to love it. Aaron hey. Rye, Martin Laird. <laughs> hey, there's something to sticking with the guys that you like, because at some point they're going to come through for you. At some point, there's a reason you like them. And there's a reason why uh, you keep picking them. All right. A guy that I keep picking, I mentioned it earlier. I can't get away from, especially at 7,800. And like I said, it's not going to be very long until you never again see Sahith Figala at 7,800 because he's just too good, especially in a field like this. He's finished. 22nd and 7th in his last two starts. Had a couple of miscuts before that, but before that, he was 48th and 3rd. I mean, the kid's just really, really talented. I'm telling you, he's going to be on the same progression as a Scotty Scheffler and a Sam Burns at some point. I'm not throwing too much expectations on him. I'm not saying, uh, you know, he's going to win twice within the next two years. He's going to be top 10 in the world, but good things, really, really good things are coming for Thigala. I want to get on it before it's too late. It was life-altering for him in Phoenix, even though he didn't win. That was a life-altering moment for him when he finished third. Some guys, it takes them a long time to recover from that. Their lives are altered. And not that golf takes a back seat, but there all of a sudden there are a lot of other things in their lives going on, a lot of other things on their plate. He stayed pretty true to form, had a couple of so-so weeks, but he's back playing very well. So yeah, I think that's a very good sign for him. Next up, we were both on Chris Kirk. Pretty chalky, I'm going to guess, but he's playing well everywhere. He's played well here. This is his best tee to green season, ranked 10th on tour in strokes gained tee to green. Not sure where that came from. He's got to be looking forward to this, and he probably thinks, wow, I could really win this tournament and get to Augusta. I'm there with it. If he thinks that, I think that of him as well, because I really like Kirk this week. So I'm in favor of that pick. And yeah, if he's 20, 22% owned this week, and like we said, we're not good at ownership percentages, especially on a Monday afternoon as we're recording this, but you know what? I'll just take it and find some differentiation elsewhere. And maybe one of those places is going to be a guy who I think is underpriced, undervalued. I can't believe we can get him for 7,900 this week. Robert McIntyre doesn't necessarily have the same subplot as a lot of the other players because he's already qualified for the Masters. So not not like a Chris Kirk or some of these other players trying to win to get in, but what he is trying to do is win and get his PGA Tour card. And I know that he desperately wanted that PGA Tour card. He wanted to make a home base in the United States, didn't get it done last year. Now he's sort of going back and forth. He's getting some exemptions here and there. He's trying to figure out what he can do. This guy's a top 20 player in the world in the not too distant future for him to not be playing his craft on the PGA tour on a regular basis is only temporary. I think it's going to change very soon. I think he's got some win equity at 7,900 Robert McIntyre. Like to play? What am I? Weekly question. How much do we have left? We have 17.4 left, 8,700 per man. Feel free to spend some money, Len. We don't have to go super, super low. I'm going to go Patton Kazire. He's just playing well. He's made seven of eight cuts. I know at $8,000, we're not just looking at a made cut for that price. He's had a top 10, a couple of top 25s. One of them was at the Players. 
not an easy place to play this year. Interestingly enough, he used to really excel on the greens. He used to be a really elite putter. That's sort of fallen by the wayside. So he's doing it in other ways, ranked 40th on tour in strokes, gained approaches. You don't sort of see that too much where a guy is a putter and then he's not, and then he becomes a better iron player. But that is what's leading Patton Kazar's resurgent toward the top 100 in the world. And like I said earlier, ninth at the Bolero in his debut then a year ago, $8,000. All right. I like that play. We've got 9400 left to spend. And you've got me going to the research here and trying to look up. And I, I don't mind it. Keegan Bradley has, well, he missed the cut in his last start at the Valspar, but didn't play that badly. Shot two rounds of 70. So it's not like not all missed cuts are created equally. I think you have to look at what the numbers were in a missed cut. And he just, I'm guessing, didn't make too many putts, which is the usual case with Keegan. But the week before, remember, he was solo fifth at the players, and that was a long week. So for him to miss the cut at the Valspar isn't much of a big deal. Shouldn't be too troubling. He was 11th at the API before the players. Finally got a week off got some rest. And then you look at his record at the Valero Texas open four made cuts and five starts. He was 23rd last year. He's got a best finish of ninth. He's got some good scores around this place. He's a good driver of the golf ball. Lock him in. I'm going Keegan Bradley. And there's the lineup. Bradley, Kirk, Kazire, Laird, McIntyre, Figala. What do you think, Len? We didn't go lower than 7,500. I think that was going to happen this week. And yeah, with Keegan, with that miscut at the Vals, where nobody walked off the course at TPC Sawgrass, more beaten up than he was. Beside having to deal with the weather, he had that brutal finish. It's amazing he played as well as he did in missing the cut. So I do not give any credence to that missed cut as saying he's playing poorly or anything. It was just a domino effect from a bad finish the week before. So I do like him as well. Yeah, Len, you make a really good point. Everyone in our lineup between 7,500 and 9,400, I could see a lot of plays coming from that range this week. I will probably have maybe down to 7,100. There are a few guys I like there and maybe up to 10-3 where Abraham Answer is and, and maybe just above that with Jordan Spieth. But that's basically the range for me this week. I'm probably not dipping down into the 6,000s too much. I'm probably not spending up for Rory or Bryson or Hideki or, or even Connors coming off seven rounds of golf in five days last week. And so there aren't a whole lot of guys that I'm chasing near the top either. So I think it's a good week for that steady lineup that you're going after a bunch of guys could sort of right in that mid to upper tier ranking right there. So I love it. And I cannot wait for next week. All right, Len, give me one or two names. Just kind of whet the appetite of the listeners out there. Give me one or two names that you're thinking about for next week. Well, my preseason pick, I'm going to have to say him, was Cam Smith. Not exactly going out on a limb, but not in the top two or three, at least in the betting market as well. Uh, I was sort of disappointed that he won the players because it's going to be so hard to win the players and the Masters. But he's played well here before, and he's really becoming a star. And if it wasn't for Scotty Scheffler, we'd be talking a lot more about Cam Smith these days. I like that play. You will probably hear me on the pod next week talking about Brooks Kepka, talking about Patrick Cantley. And I'm still trying to figure out those sleeper plays. I like the guys who are really good at golf next week. Uh, surprise, surprise. Watch out for Luke List. Lives in Augusta, Georgia. I can see Luke List, who has some really good ball striking numbers, playing well at Augusta National next week. The form hasn't been there recently, but we'll see. I cannot wait to talk about the Masters next week first. Let's cash some tickets. Let's cash some lineups this week for the Valero Texas Open. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of the Links and Locks podcast. Remember, you can find us everywhere you find your favorite podcast. 
Download, subscribe, rate, and listen to Len and I every single week. Good luck with your lineups, your DFS plays for this week's Valero Texas Open. Here's hoping you hit the green.